Hello, I'm your host, Aaron Ritmaster. Welcome to episode number three of the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. Joining me in the man cave tonight are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. There's a snake in my boots. And Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. So uh, this time we're going to be turning our attention to perhaps a, a bit more speculative topic than we've covered so far and uh, one that might generate some passionate responses, I suspect. But uh, before we get into that, I do want to thank our podcast sponsors that help make this happen. Uh, First and foremost, I want to thank our uh, travel agency partners. We've got uh, Wicked Mouse Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner, and Mouse Master Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner, both of which uh, would love to help you with your next Disney destination vacation. And as always, our buddies at Kingdom Strollers. Uh, Kingdom Strollers does a great job of providing strollers to folks uh, going to visit really any of the Orlando attractions. And uh, they can't deliver with a drop-off at Disney Resort Hotels anymore, but they can arrange a handshake drop-off with you where you physically get the stroller from them. Or they now give you the opportunity to pick up right there at the airport. Really great convenience and great service from the folks at Kingdom Strollers. So, tonight, we're going to turn our attention to what has been a contentious topic, um, really on and off for as long, almost as long as this program has existed. Um, and that is the idea of a paid version of Walt Disney World's FastPass Plus program. So, uh, to be very clear here, you know, the FastPass Plus system has always been available the same way that the FastPass system was when it was first rolled out at Walt Disney World, which is if you have a ticket to enter the park, you have access to the system. Um, and since it started, there's been talk that, you know, there there must be a paid version coming. Um so far, we haven't really seen it. We're going to talk in a minute about the maybe small exception to that. But for the most part, everybody gets the same access to FastPass Plus. Um, the, you know, the, there is a benefit. If you're staying in a, in a Disney Resort hotel, you get that access at 60 days before your trip instead of 30 days before your trip. But even at 30 days before your trip, even if you just show up and buy a ticket, you know, and, and walk into the park on the same day you buy the ticket, that day you can make ride reservations for three fast passes as soon as you enter the park. Um, so I guess before we get too much into the topic of the these new ideas of, of paid for play fast pass, we should at least talk about what does exist now that people are using in in terms of finding ways to to kind of purchase additional access. Um, One of the ways to purchase additional access is, uh, and we've talked about these before, uh, after-hours events. Um, You know, started with the holiday parties, but now we have uh, park-specific after-hours events in all the parks. And uh, I don't know, Tim, what do you think about after-hours parties as a way to essentially purchase, um, you know, better access to Disney attractions. I, I feel the same way about that as I feel about um, the other ticketed events like uh, the Not So Scary Halloween Party and such as that, which is this. Um, you're paying extra money to, to do this. Uh, and I'm really not uh, really keen on the benefit of it in terms of the fact that 
uh, okay, the limited number of tickets that they sell is limited to the capacity of the park, from what I can tell. Um, but you do get some free goodies, right? You get you get you know free Mickey bars and what have you. So, well, and to be uh, fair, to be fair, it does appear that the after hours parties they are being um, more aggressive in sort of controlling the size of the groups that you know the the number of tickets they sell. I mean, I agree with you when it comes to holiday parties, they really have have sort of opened the floodgates and they're selling an awfully lot of tickets, but. Uh, I don't think I, I do think that that we've seen on a continuing basis that for the after hours parties at least they are holding down the total number of tickets they're selling. That's good. I've not experienced that lately, so I, I can't speak uh, particularly um, authoritatively about it. But uh, like I said, it just seems like one more gimmick or you know or gag to to make a buck. So I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's, that's Tim's take on the after hours. Willie, what do you think? What, what about after hours parties as a way to buy additional access to Disney attractions? Disney after hours can be amazing. And it can also be, as a lot of people call the money grab. I've been to the Halloween party when it was oversold out. I've been to the Christmas party when it's been oversold out. I have not been to an after-hours party, but after being at both oversold-out events, I have no interest in dropping $140 plus a ticket to ride Space Mountain three times. Nothing personal, but like I'd rather just use three Fast Passes and find another Fast Pass a lot quicker. So I think for me, the, the difference is that it's all about the right fit for the right situation. Uh, on the one hand, I think that for somebody who's taking a, you know, six day Walt Disney World vacation, an after hours party is probably a waste because you're going to have plenty of opportunity. On the other hand, for somebody who's, who's maybe pressed for time, they have, you know, some limitations on being able to get in everything that they want to get in. These after-hours parties are a way to kind of accelerate their opportunity, right? I mean, if you don't have time, if you don't have enough days in your vacation to be able to take a second well, uh, a second Magic Kingdom day, for example, then an after-hours party is a great way to make sure that you're able to enjoy all the attractions you wanted to enjoy when you, you simply don't have the option of just going another day. That's the way I tend to see it. You know, that's that's where I think they're most valuable. Um I would I would tend to agree. I, I don't think you'd want to build a vacation out of them. Um, you know, you're you're certainly paying a premium. Might get expensive, right? Right, exactly. It would get expensive. Um, but as long as we're getting to the point of talking about expensive, so there are other ways to to pay for better access to Walt Disney World attractions. You can buy tours, and one of the things that people have pointed to as maybe one of the sort of precursors to a pay for play fast pass system is that. I'd say about two years ago now, um, Disney rolled out a whole sort of series of tours that were yep. between what they had had available, which was mostly, you know, sort of history and about Imagineering and things. And then you'd get to ride a couple of attractions on one end or the VIP tour on the other end. And there really wasn't anything in the middle. So now they have this whole set of tours that are kind of in the middle that are focused on specifically expedited access to attractions. That's what they're about. Um, you know, the Ultimate Thrills series is about getting to ride all those thrill attractions in a short period of time. Which so, Disney is not known for necessarily. Right, unless you aggregate together and focus on them, right? Which right. is what they've exactly. done. So, so I guess my question is, okay, we said that the question, the issue with the, the after-hours parties is that Maybe they're not limiting crowds enough. You're gambling to a certain extent, to, you know, how, how much extra access you're going to get. So what about these new tours? I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to get the attractions. That's what it's about. So what what's the feeling about, you know, people being able to basically purchase um, expedited, expedited access to the attraction that you're sitting at home, you know, at... 6 a.m. trying to make your your fast pass reservation for. Well, 
I've done both the VIP tour and I've sold a ton of club level extra. Okay, we'll get to those. That's another issue. The VIP we'll go back to. Yeah, we'll come back to those because I, I, I think that I guess what I'm trying to do is to set up the parameters okay. of a discussion here because really all these things are just different ways to purchase improved access to attractions. So we've already talked about the after hours parties. That That's one way that Disney tries to sell extra access to attractions. Then there's these tours and we've got the VIP tour, which is a minimum of $450 an hour for seven hours or these sort of packages of anywhere between eight and 11 attractions um, that you get expedited access to. Actually, so, if you uh, haven't looked at, uh, well, I, you're not a DVC member, right, Aaron? No. Um, the DVC membership has upwards of 30 plus tours that you can buy uh, for different things. And it's not just behind the scenes anymore. I mean, there's uh, a Soren tour that um, my in-laws have gone on. Um, and that's, you know, that's one thing you get to go see the whole production area and then you get to ride the ride. And that's the whole thing is you get to see something and then you get to ride the ride. But uh, they've just, I think they've come up with every imaginable way of creating a paid tour, you know, just for a little bit of, of extra um, uh, knowledge of what's happening behind the scenes, and you get to ride the ride. Right. There's well, and those are the ones that have been around for a while, but then uh, about two years ago, they rolled out this series of, um, I'm, I'm pulling them, they call them the, the ultimate tours. So you have the Ultimate Day of Thrills VIP Tour, the Ultimate Disney Classics VIP Tour, the Ultimate Knights of Adventure VIP Tours. And each of these tours is really not much more than a package of expedited access to attractions. The Ultimate Day of Thrills VIP Tour is you, you, you pay for the seven-hour tour and you get on you know expedited access to Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, Haunted Mansion, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Slinky Dog Dash, Toy Story Mania, Rock and Roller Coaster, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and Star Tours. So this menu of nine attractions across multiple parks. Uh, oh, and Soren. Sorry, I left out Soren. So they do make a quick stop at Epcot for Soren. So ten attractions. And now, it's only offered four days a week. Right, but but the, but the important thing is, I mean, it, it's ten attractions. So normally you get three fast passes. This is 10 guaranteed headliner rides on this tour. So th this is the kind of tour that they've been rolling out. And these are tours that are focused on providing people with expedited access to attractions, which is, which it, is why I wanted to focus on them. It's, it's basically $460 a person to start the day. Okay. Because it's $112 on average plus 349 a person to do 10 rides. Yes, you do have the tour. You have the person picks you up, drops you off, walks you through the park. But you still need park admission. You need everything. These right. Exactly. These yeah. events are, right. I mean... So they're expensive. You're basically paying, I mean, I just did the quick math. You're premium. basically paying almost $50 a ride to get these extra fast passes is what it amounts to. Well, then you've got to have park hopper passes because you've got to do it all in one day, right? Sure. Exactly. You've got to be park hoppers. Or so now, have now it's not 112 a day. Now we're at 165 a day minimum. Yes, exactly. That's my point. Okay. So, again, the question, though, is uh, obviously people are buying these, right? The, the bottom line is that people are taking these tours because if they weren't, Disney wouldn't keep offering them. I mean, they cut things that people don't buy all the time. So people are paying what amounts to $50 and up per attraction on these tours. So that gets us to this next question, which is that, you know, people have been talking since FastPass Plus rolled out about how, you know, this whole system really allows makes it easy for Disney to facilitate selling additional fast passes. 
and being able to do it without ruffling a lot of feathers because it can be done privately on your device and nobody else has to know how many you've used. So why would anybody care? Right? It's painless for Disney to sell the extra access. And we know people will pay for anything nowadays. There's nothing that people won't buy. And when it comes to Disney, they will buy anything from the $70 sweatshirt to the $40 t-shirt that I'm wearing as we speak to being able to go home and say, I rode 10 rides in seven hours. They took me in a, I don't want to say a limo, but a nice minivan or something. And look what I got. And at the end, they did all the rides in one day. And now they don't really have to go back to the parks, but one time. Right. Value is in the eye of the beholder, right? This is this is the point. So, so I guess what I'm trying to understand here is, number one, I, people keep talking about this being an, an, an inevitable, you know, thing that's going to happen. First of all, I'm not sure that it is. And I'm not sure that it's inevitable. Yes, it's inevitable that that some form of, you know, paid fast pass system will be there. It's not going to supplant the regular system that we are using now because it doesn't, it's not in Disney's interest, right? What's in Disney's interest, I mean, I think we get confused because we get confused about what we as park visitors want and what we think of as the reason for things like Fast Pass and what Disney's reasons are for these things. I mean, when it comes to Fast Pass, it's not Disney doesn't care that it it cuts down your time in the line. That's not what's important to them. What's important to them is they know where you're going and when you're going to be there. They also want to be able to say you got on three rides without having a multiple wait. Well, yes, I mean, that's a piece of it. I agreed that they want to make sure that everybody gets that minimum of at least three rides, but. It, 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 it has a lot more to do for Disney with distributing people around the park the way they want to. Because, look, and this is a whole other discussion for another time. I'm sure we're going to get into the whole Fifth Gate issue. But it's not that Walt Disney World as a whole is dealing with a capacity problem. It's Magic Kingdom has a capacity problem and the rest of... Walt Disney World has to deal with the fact that Magic Kingdom has a capacity problem, basically. But Hollywood Studios is now having a capacity there. problem it's because of what what they've done with the magical virtual wake queue. I, 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 again, I don't know that it's cause and effect. I mean, yes, it's got a capacity issue because all of a sudden it's got a lot of people there and not everything's open yet. Um, although it's, it's also there. a supply and demand because right. once 745 comes around, you either get the ride or you don't get the ride. Right. Absolutely. But, but Hollywood studios, I think is illustrative because everybody's freaking out that they put all of the headliner attractions in the same fast pass tier and you can only choose one. Okay. Guess what? Everybody only gets to choose one. So, yes, it's going to mean that you're going to have to wait in a little bit, you know, you're going to wait in a line, but on each of those attractions has a fixed capacity. Whether you get on that attraction through a fast pass line or through a standby line, it's still going to be the same number of people who go through the attraction. So, theoretically... Most people should actually see a lower aggregate wait time if most people, right, have to visit those headliner attractions via standby lines. But have we seen that? Flights of Passage is still well over two hours every day. Well, but that's because it doesn't have something significant. It doesn't have enough significant stuff pulling away from it. The only thing Flights of Passage competes with is river, is is river journey which isn't really a ride. equivalent 
right, right, and right, right. If you if you added Safari and maybe, I mean that that's what, that's what the Hollywood Studio thing is about, right? It, that's the experiment that they're doing in the studios. The experiment is okay if we take all of these rides and put them all in the same tier, so that people have to choose and they're limited. What happens to the standby weights at those attractions? And and we'll see. You know, it's going to take a little time to shake out, I think, but we'll see. Because I think part of the problem, too, is that because Rise of the Resistance is not running at its expected capacity, you have a bunch of people who have been pulled into the park expecting to ride Rise of Resistance who are wandering around waiting for their chance because, you know, their boarding group hasn't been called yet. And they're not going to get on. <laughs> I hate to say it, but at like 122, the number just dies real fast yeah. um, alright so so I guess what I'm getting to is there's a lot of hue and cry about a, a pay for play system and Willie started to talk about the fact that, that you know we've we've known about people being able to buy if they stay in the club level rooms or in a, a grand villa they've had the ability for about a year now um, to spend a good chunk of money $50 per person per day to have access to three additional fast passes and have a 90 day in advance booking window on it. Three day minimum also. Okay. So three day minimum also. Right. So it's a minimum. Basically you're spending a minimum of $150 per person. You're getting three additional attractions. Now here's what's interesting to me. $150 per person for three attractions, $50 per attraction. Right? When we broke down the VIP tour, what was the cost? $50 a person. $50 per attraction. If you have 10 attractions, right? 10 attractions and the cost of the tour, it's about $50 per attraction. So it sounds to me like Disney's put a price on it. Disney it's thinks 50 bucks. Disney thinks that guests are willing to pay. $50 per attraction for premium access to attractions. Tim, are you willing to pay $50 per I, attraction? I would pay $50 for maybe one attraction, but not for a whole slew of them. Sorry, not happening. But, you know, if I want to guarantee my my way onto um, Rise of the Resistance or Flight of Passage, then, you know, I might splurge and do that for one ride. But I wouldn't do it, you know, across three days for $5,000. Not going to happen. And I guess the question becomes, and because and we've talked about this on other shows, of, you know, specifically talking about the value of the after hours parties, and this maybe drives it home a little bit, but at what point does. So there's a balance that Disney has to, to strike here. On the one hand, there are people who are willing to pay for. for better access. And when you have people who are demanding you take their money, if you're a corporation, you take their money. <laughs> That's the way it works. So right, they have hand, to deal with the stockholders. Right. So on the one hand, you've got Disney who has people who are essentially pressuring them to take their money to give them access. On the other hand, you've got every other guest who's visiting the parks. And what we've said in the past is you know, we don't really care so much about these after-hours events to the extent that they don't limit experiences for your day guests, right? For the As long as it doesn't interfere with everybody else's access. For example, the, the thing that people were more upset about than anything else was the early morning access at Magic Kingdom because what it meant was that people would be not only able to take advantage of the things that their party offered them, but they'd also then be able to get things that weren't part of the party package first because they were already in the park in a way that other people didn't have the access. Right? That seemed to upset people more than any other kinds of events. So where's the line? At what point is this a problem that Disney is allowing people to buy better access. I don't know that they found it. Other yeah. than with with the uh, the suite on top of Cinderella Castle, they won't let anybody buy that yet. At least not that I'm aware of. But they have drawn the line there. 
Right. Which, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna right. they're gonna milk every cow they can because uh-huh. why wouldn't you? We as Americans have agreed to buy anything and spend money anywhere and everywhere. That's all we do. Like you go on Amazon, and you just click and you buy and it shows up tomorrow. It's like it's like you can pay 50 bucks and you can get on Big Thunder. Pay 50 more, you get on Splash. Pay 50 more, you're on Seven Dwarfs. Pay 50 more, you're on Space. Well, it was only 200 bucks. Well, really it was, you know, 400 bucks right, or right. 1600 bucks for like my family were four but at the same time we walked out of the park at 12 30 or one o'clock and we've done all the mountains and two other things and now we're done and now we can go do something else and that's what disney's looking for we've left the park and now we're going to spend money at a restaurant at an experience and they still have thirty thousand people in the park Meanwhile, yeah, they've earned your admission to the park. But since you le- since you're leaving now, you know they don't care. You know, okay, let's go spend money at Disney Springs. Hey, here's some more places to spend to get your dollars out of your pocket. Okay, bye. Right. The Lego store. Yeah, now here here's though where I think it starts to get dicier, because among the things that have been rumored is that there may be some attractions that, you know. They'll only have Fast Pass if you're purchasing it, right? They won't have free pass, free Fast Pass availability, or perhaps for new attractions, right? The first, you know, three months there may be the ability to purchase a Fast Pass, but you wouldn't be able to make a Fast Pass reservation if you didn't buy in. You know, where where is that fall? You know, that's really troublesome because when you're talking about families that might go once every five years, you know, if that, if they can even muster that, then that's really problematic, you know, for, for some of us that will go one or more times a year, that's less problematic because well, just like, I still have not ridden flight of passage because I don't have to, I, you know, I'm going to be there enough times that I'll get an opportunity and it's, it's going to be fine. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing out. I don't have FOMO as it were. Right. And I feel the same with, um, you know, smugglers run or rise of the resistance. I don't have to do that, but I'll try but if I don't succeed, that's fine. Right. Cause you know, and, you'll be back. And that's what really comes down to it because we've always seen those commercials on TV of anyone can go to Disney for 2000 bucks. But if, <laughs> but if, but if you can't do Tron because that's the new ride coming in 2021, you can't do Guardians because it's 50 bucks more. You're a family of five. You know, 250 bucks to ride one ride is not going to be what people want to hear about. Like, it's not, not what people like. It's. It's like going to an amusement park and saying half the park's closed. Why? Oh, it's only for extra admission, not general admission. So that's the other issue. Is, is at, at, at a certain point, right, we, we kind of blow up the model that people have been sold. I mean, people have been sold this model that these are our ticket prices and we we don't do what they did when they first opened Disneyland. There's no ticket book where you have to, you know, give up your your you use your scarce resource to, to get onto an attraction. And if you want to get on more attractions, you've got to pay more. It's a one, it's an all you can eat buffet instead. And it feels, I, I think it, what we're saying is that it feels like, you know, the all you can eat buffet, they've now started to maybe talk about taking the entrees, you know, off the table. If you want to actually huh? eat an entree, you have to pay for that on top. And, and, you know, that's, that's a little, a little troublesome. It's uh, off-putting. Yeah. I, I will say though that I don't know how far Disney can take this and have it still work for them. Because I think that one of the things that, that and I've been saying it since they rolled out Fast Pass, uh, or I'm sorry, since they rolled out Fast Pass Plus, um, and I'll keep saying it, even though people don't believe me, I know I'm right on this one. <laughs> The primary purpose of FastPass Plus is not to get you on rides faster. It's to distribute you around the park. It's to make the park feel less crowded. And it's about Disney being able to plan their staffing. 
so that they know how many people they need to have when. Now, the key is that as they get better and better at using the FastPass Plus reservation data, they're going to get better at being able to target offers based on where you are in the park, based on where they expect you to be in the park, all these kinds of things. So that said, to some extent, these pay-for-play programs, although that's immediate cash, those mess with the rest of the system, right? Those, because they're exceptions, and, and they mess with their normal curve of the way your day is supposed to go and make it less predictable, which it has, you know, I find myself rambling as I start talking about this because there are all these weird implications of it. I mean, on the one hand, it messes with all of their data about, you know, what they're accomplishing with FastPass Plus, trying to distribute people around the park. And the vehicle that it looks like they're going to try to sell this, you know, pay-to-play FastPass system through is this genie AI-based helper that's supposed to help you schedule your day. So they're going to pollute their own AI database with anomalous information <laughs> by selling access that doesn't work for everybody else. Yeah, I, I could totally see where you're going here. And and come to think of it, you know, okay, so uh, they know where you are based on your magic band. So if I'm, you know, I'm standing in line for Rock and Roller Coaster, when you walk into that lobby, now there are, you know, marquee posters with your name and location on it, or you know, your hometown on it. So you could be, uh, they could decide, oh, you know, we're getting too crowded over in Rock and Roller Coaster and, and um, uh, Tower of Terror. So We'll, we'll give you a, where the normal fast pass would cost $50. We'll give you $25 off to, to go over here and ride that instead. Well, maybe, but, but I think that, I mean, I, I don't know that, that that is as likely to move people as, because they've experimented already with other pieces of it. So more likely it's, they see that you're in line at Rock and Roller Coaster at 11 o'clock and they, their data shows this blob of people making that area too crowded. And so they, they look in their system and they notice that, um, um, you know, Hollywood and Vine is undersold for the, the day. They've got openings at Hollywood and Vine. And so you get a message in your My Disney Experience that offers you a, you know, 10% discount at Hollywood and Vine if you walk up to the restaurant at this time, right? Because they're going right. to pull you out of that part of the park. Or free drinks. You get the free drink when what, you sit out. Yeah, I mean, you but, but you're there because, I mean, I was just talking with a client today and I said, you know, the Disney dining plan is such a great idea with that free, well, built-in right. free drink. Who orders one beer at dinner? No one. But you get the one drink with the dining plan. And then by the time you've drank your beer, you still have not gotten your main entree. When the entree comes, you order that second beer and now they've got you hooked. Right. And I'm not saying hooked like in the wrong way. I'm no. saying you've ordered one beer, you might have ordered two, you've ordered three. And that's the same thing they're going to do with like what you just said with Hollywood and Vine. You you have a deal. We got 10% off or the first drinks on us. Right. And now you're sitting down to a $40 meal per person. And now you're 160 to two bills in. And you don't have to worry. They don't have to worry about anything. Well, And, and more importantly, it's again, it's utilization. They were going to have a cast member who reported to work who had empty tables. Well, that's that's lost value to them. They'd rather you come in, walk up, take that table, and make that server do the work that they're getting paid for. That's how you make AI work for you, right? Theoretically, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because – in order for this to all work, first of all, I mean, I, I don't know, Willie, I'll get, it'd be interesting to hear your take and, and Tim too, you know, what you think in terms of, you know, whether this genie thing has any real chance of, of being particularly successful. I'm very skeptical myself. Um, Where do you want me to start? <laughs> we can't get my Disney experience to stay alive. 
Yeah, I mean, even putting aside the fact that that you know, opening a ride like Rise of the Resist Rise of the Resistance basically crashes their ticketing system when they try to admit people into the park quickly enough to get boarding passes and things. I mean, you know, they crash the system multiple times. Um, I was booking a family today of three. And the screen came up that said, you will be entered in in four minutes and 50 seconds as the countdown came on. That's a problem. Yeah. How, are the, how is the genie going to move me around the park successfully? Right. It's not going to work. I've, I, I've seen their IT. We've seen their IT. You know their oh, IT. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to preach all day on this one. So well, but, but even, I'm off. <laughs> even aside from the IT problems, I mean, Tim, I, the reason it, it struck me with you, you know, think about the way you usually navigate around the, the theme parks. How useful is Genie going to be to you, you know, in, in planning your day in the park? Well, initially, it's not going to be very useful. But I think uh, in typical Disney fashion, they're going to, you know, trial it out. See what works, see what doesn't work, and then try to go and address the things that don't work to make it a better app. And they'll keep, okay. you know, keep fine-tuning it. So after four but, or five years, it actually becomes useful. But but here's the thing: number one, for AI to be effective, there has to be a meaningful normal curve, right, of people looking for the same experiences. So how many people tour the parks like you tour the parks? I think that's very un- unpredictable. I, I don't think anybody tour- tours the parks like I do because I, can, I might go sit and spend five hours at Lakata, you know? That's well, my point. I always want to go play on Mission Space. Ah, there like it is. Like I said before. And that's my point. And, and part of the point, too, is that this time you're going to be at Walt Disney World and it's right before your cruise and you're only there for a little while. So you're going to tour in one way. But mm-hmm. the next time you go, you might be with the boys and it's going to be totally different. And what right. you do is totally different. And I mean, I'm prepared to be impressed, I guess, but I don't believe it's happening because that AI is going to be so confused when you have two very different trips like that. It's not going to know where to send you. Aaron, you were with me. Exactly. We, We literally didn't do anything except have fun. The genie would have been so confused by us. Well, it's like, Wait, did, didn't you say it was like two days before you finally said, oh, we, we should probably try to ride a ride? Three days? What, yeah, what was three it? Three days. And literally, the only reason we did the ride was because we were right there and we had fast passes. And there's no way the genie's going to be like, hey, hey, Willie, Aaron, jump on Slinky Dog right now. Because, no, it's not going to work. I mean, right, because I, that's not the I, way, it, that's not the way it can work. I mean, that's the whole point is that it's, it's theoretically, the whole idea here is it's going to plan out fast passes for you in advance. And no. I, I just don't see it being effective because of the variability here from person to person. Exactly. Of, 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 of human unpredictability. How are you, how are you going to compare a 50 age, you know, 50 year old, you know, middle aged couple uh, that's just wandering around aimlessly doing whatever they whatever strikes them at the time versus uh, a, a family with three little kids that wants to try to do everything they possibly can in one single day. There's there's no rhyme or reason to how you're going to match that up. Right, and then you, think, and then you have Terry and his daughter screwing right. it up by trying to ride every ride in all the parks in one day <laughs> after she sleeps until noon. <laughs> Sorry, Terry. <laughs> Love you, Emma. <laughs> but I, I really think they're going after. A certain company that's making money off planning, and that's what they're trying to do. I don't want to say the name, but uh, we all know uh, who they maybe are. Maybe to some extent. I mean, I, look, I think that they're certainly. I, I think that that they've caught themselves in the middle of a difficult spiral because part of what has happened is is that their desire to you know have information that allows them to plan and all of that has made has resulted in a system that's complex and we know that people are intimidated by it and that it's overwhelming for a lot of people but that also helps us oh, as absolutely as, it I, absolutely does but but i think what i'm saying is that i think this this whole genie concept is about them trying to find ways to make their inherently complex systems seem less intimidating 
Now, for Willie, for you and me, we, we would much rather they just call us because we're happy to help them do that. But, you know, Disney doesn't want to lose all of that business to us. So, you know, they want to take some of those folks direct too. And and this is a way to do it is to to show that they can make it simple. Um, I just don't buy that they can do it. Can you imagine the person that is freaked out about just signing into my Disney experience, trying to use the genie, when we're talking to him about fast passes, dining, a 180, 60, 30, like they have no idea. And the worst thing they want to hear is, oh, just use the genie. Well, and here's going to be the worst part is that people are going to get excited about it and it'll be fine until the first time they want to change something. And it doesn't work. And they have no idea how to use it. And they don't know. I mean, they don't even know what their options are because nobody's talked to them about it. They just relied on the genie to do it for them automatically. Or they have a simple flip phone and they're like talking into the phone. (laughs) And I'm not making fun of that happen. Right. And the genie's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Or your plans are set. You're done. Don't worry. Right. So I guess what that brings us back around to is this whole issue of of pay for play fast pass plus. Um, first things first, let me ask it this way. Um, on a scale of Sound and fury, but it won't really amount to anything significant for anybody on a regular basis. To, oh my god, Armageddon, it's going to ruin the experience of the parks. Where would you put pay to pay to play fast pass? I have a feeling that it's going to come no matter what because. I understand. I'm not saying about it's going to come or not. I'm we're, saying we're when it comes, is it is it less enough of an impact that it's it's sound and fury and you know ultimately no big deal, or is it Armageddon level? I think it's going to be minimum to maybe a little above, and it'll blow over just like. We got used to not running through the parks. We got used to this. We got used to that. And now it's just another Disney add-on. And that's just my opinion. All right. So, Timmy, is it just change or is it something bigger? Well, I think as long as they keep it where you don't have to pay for fast passes, then it's going to blow over like just anything else. It's like when we switch from paper fast passes to fast fast plus and everything else that they've done along the way, it's it's not going to it's not going to make a lot of splash until it starts preventing people from actually being able to book any fast passes. Uh, which, like you said, if they make it so that for the first three months that, for example, the Tron ride is open, you can only buy a fast pass, then that might. That might take it a little bit towards the Armageddon uh, point of the needle, but um, no. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Yeah, I I'm, I'm think I'm with both you. I, maybe a little more serious only because it, it depends really on implementation to a large extent. And unfortunately, Disney's track record for any technology impl- impl- implementation is not positive. <laughs> but even assuming that they managed to pull off the implementation, I think the reality is that they're reaching a saturation point in terms of, of you know, what what the dollars per day that they can pull out of a guest are. And at a certain point here, if they get more people paying for ex- expedited attraction access, what is, you know, the only result of that is that they cut days off of their vacation and travel for less time um so you know they're gonna have to find their equilibrium too so that they don't shoot themselves in the foot and cost themselves hotel revenue in order to pull in operations revenue but i think at the same time they might pay more for a ride and less for the t-shirt you're not wrong i agree i I mean mean, like i think people still go for a certain amount of time no matter what Oh, now see, I, I mean, I think that there, 
there's some of that, but but the budget's the budget, right? The amount of money they have to spend is the amount of money they have to spend. And what I'm saying is, and I think we're in some ways saying the same thing, they're going to cannibalize themselves one, one way or the other. I mean, I think you're right. You know, either they're not spending money on merch, they're not buying $250 lightsabers, they're not buying $200 droids, um, you know, or they're taking shorter vacations, right? Because, uh, you know, the the bottom line is that there's there's a certain pool of money available for family vacation. And, you know, I don't have any quarrel with the fact that one of the ways you deal with the fact that, you know, you've got more people trying to enjoy the attraction than you have capacity for it, you crank the price up a little bit and, you know, people opt out, right? Everybody's got a bulk point. But yep. it, it's it's one thing when it's, it's about... Uh, you know, just sort of trying to keep your operations from being overwhelmed. It's another when you're, you're, I guess there's only so much maximizing of revenue that Disney can get away with doing on this front before they, they start damaging themselves. That's the magical point right there, Aaron is, is when they get to the point that they're, they're looking with a fine tooth comb for new revenue, it's time for the fifth gate. And that's just for I know that's for another discussion. That's a whole other discussion because my argument with you, discussion. my argument with you, just to, to cogitate on, because we'll come up mm-hmm. with it. Probably we'll schedule this one when we get back from your cruise. Um, yep. Is that a fifth gate? At least in the short term, means less revenue, not more. Correct. Only I agree with term, that. Unless there's something really amazing. Right now, everything's gravy. The VIP tours, the extra hours, the extra VIP, the extra everything is all gravy. But when you're talking about management, you've got to invest a little bit more in, in order to make more. The old that's what, I, that's what I keep telling my my bosses. They don't listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> Spend more to make more. It's true. Spend it's, a little bit more, make a lot more. It, it's true. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing on the cruise line, right? We've got ships coming. Because yep. the cruise line was making all it could make because it only had four ships. So, you know, uh, that that certainly was true there. So, you know, I guess it's an argument we can we can pick up when we come back around to talking about the, the whole issue of, of Fifth Gate and, you know, what might be coming there. Uh, all right. So one last question, you know, a, a sort of roundtable question here to wrap us up on this. Um, you know, the rumors are persistent that, Probably sometime uh, by next year, you know, there will be this opportunity to buy extra uh, access to extra fast passes. Um, You know, our prediction, it seems to me, is that it looks like Disney thinks that extra fast passes are worth about 50 bucks a piece. So, uh, you know, Tim, when you have the opportunity, are you willing to pay 50 bucks a piece to ride those attractions that have been put on your back burner? A lot is going to depend on the presentation of it. If they make it to where I can only buy it in a pack of five or a pack of ten, probably not. If I can buy them on an individual level, I would probably consider it. It's all in the presentation. How about you, Willie? Are you paying you paying fifty bucks to get that expedited uh, access to Tron? Well, it, like Tim just said, if I get three in the morning. And I get three in the afternoon for 150 bucks per person. I can go through Magic Kingdom in six hours, do the six major rides. Yes, I would pay for it, but it's still $600. And like, what can I do with $600? Like, there's a lot of money out there with $600. Like, you know, in some places of the country, that's rent. (laughs) Depending on the resort, it's two more nights. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And as, as for me, I'd rather have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> or a couple bottles. Another tequila right. flight. Yeah. Yep. Two flights. You. you could have had two flights. That's well, right. not if he gets the $333 one. Oh, you know, you're right. <laughs> there is that. Hey, tip, tips included. But, I mean, like, really, if you, you could do all of Magic Kingdom, the big mountains... Tron and like let's just say Peter Pan just for fun the six major rides in six hours that's a pretty good day you could leave 
go to a nice dinner at Epcot and go home. It's not that bad of a deal because it's not the same price as a VIP tour and you still had a great day. And you might skirt in a few things like a small world here, a haunted mansion there. You know, you could do 10 or 12 rides. That's a pretty good day for me, I think. But it's still expensive. Right. Right. And that's it may just change the way you think about how you schedule your days. Right. Absolutely. Oh, what would I do? Um, so what what I I want to hear what you would do. I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't get you what I would do. So what I would do would very much depend on the trip. Um, it would have to be something I planned for because the, the cost of it is enough with a full family that it's not something that I would make as a, a knee jerk decision in one day. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that might push me to do it is that now that the kids are teens and you know, it's, it's much harder to have them out of school. It might actually give me the ability to take a, a long weekend kind of trip where we could still get in to do everything that was important to us to do. And, you know, I'd be one of those ones who, instead of taking the trip that we would normally prefer, which is a more leisurely, you know, six-night trip, we'll turn it into a three- or four-night trip and get in everything that we want to get in by, you know, paying for some expedited access, and we're going to cover that by paying for fewer days in the hotel. Um and that's what I did. I did the VIP tour halfway through our trip. Yeah. And then by Tuesday, the kids were like, well, we've already done everything. Like they didn't want to wait in 25 and 30 minute waits for like rock and roller coaster and tower of terror right. because they've already done it. And now it's like, okay, what can we go do that we don't need to do? And at 14 and 11, it's a little different than our age where we're like, okay, we did Tower of Terror. Who cares? If we right. missed it, we missed it. Right. So you've heard our rants. You've heard our raves. You've heard the things that we're concerned about and the places where we are concerned that they're maybe pushing too far. We'd love to hear your input. What do you think about it? Uh, hey, you could even come on the show and rant uh, with us as we talk about these things. We'd love to have you on as a guest. Uh, you, you can... Reach out to us by sending email to podcast at disdads.com. We're on Twitter at Disdads Podcast. We're also Disdads Podcast on Facebook. You can find us there as well. Um, specifically, if you'd like to be on the show as a guest, Tim has uh, kind of stepped up and, and taken the lead on helping to coordinate uh, Disdads who'd like to be on the show. Um, Tim, what email address would you like him to contact you at? Yep. Um best thing to do is if you're on Facebook is give me a private message on Facebook. Otherwise you can uh, t- uh, send me email at, at old Texas boy, O L Texas boy at AOL. Yes, I know fellows. It's old school, but that's me. I'm kind of old school, <laughs> old Texas boy at AOL.com. That's where you can, uh, that's where you can reach me easiest. Okay. So ne- until next time, I've been Aaron Ripmaster with my faithful co-hosts, Tim Hicks. See you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a great night. All right. Nice job, guys. That was fun.